0: Welcome to Glitch Cube. We're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody. Today we will be continuing on with our little mini series as we interpret the elements in games. And today we are tackling air. Air is a very interesting element when it comes to video games because it can be used in some very creative ways, from thematic. Um, thematic themes, right? Yeah, I think I did that last time too. (laughs) Thematic themes, interesting mechanics, just crazy scenery, just beautiful settings, wind and air can be used very creatively. And we have gathered some games that have done just that. Now, before we dive into some thematic uses of air, I think it would be interesting to dive into mechanical uses of them. Because some of these games have, I mean, really changed the way that we look at Air as an element and how it can be used to enhance gameplay itself. Now, I have a first experience with Air and like when really like diving into this topic, really wanted to find out or like really start thinking about like which one caught my eye First, And the other day I had that little brain blast moment of where I finally remembered the first time I encountered that and that is with Mario. So Mm -hmm. Mario's cape and specifically, right? It is the first time that we ever got to see Mario fly. And it was such an amazing thing. But then when I started really looking back into it, he wasn't really flying. He was gliding. And I love the fact that you have to run as fast as you can, jump, and you actually see Mario grab the bottom of his cape to catch the wind and slowly glide up and down using that force. Which is such a clever way of doing it. And doing it in a 2D environment in which we just knew side-scrolling at that time, right? Like There really wasn't a huge expansion on that area. Sure, we had swimming games things like that there were some flight games but everything was side-scrolling this was the first time in my or in my experience at least in which i had a character that was very grounded that was able to take flight to a certain extent and it was like looking back it was such a pivotal amazing moment something really cool to witness and i yeah like i it made me love mario more and just really appreciate all the different i guess abilities that he has so I don't know I I thought that was a really cool addition to it
1: no I like that because I mean it is different you know you have to think like you know before Mario 3 it was like what he just runs around and jumps like being able to kind of like float and like hover and even like oh wait no that was Super Mario i'm thinking super mario world right yeah i'm thinking the flying like the hovering from the raccoon tail Um, yeah
0: that was a different sense but like this really made it i really like pioneered the way for 2d characters and platformers right like Mm -hmm. we were no longer bound by just how high your character can jump now you can start thinking about what's off screen right what am i not seeing that i can potentially get to and like there was some secret stuff up there that was really cool
1: And, like, the other thing, too, is something I noticed kind of going further on this subject is that that era, right, the Super Nintendo, I think that's when we really started seeing the first evolution of, like, flying in games. Like, because with Mario, right, the way he kind of, like, flies up and down, you almost feel that gravitational push down. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember there's times where I'd have him, like, kind of, like, jump up in the air, and then out of nowhere you just get sucked down. And I'm like, whoa! What is that? You know? And I'm like, this is kind of—it felt weirdly realistic, right? For the time, you know, it's like before this, like eight bit, you couldn't do this kind of stuff. It would just literally look like a pixel moving across the screen. It didn't mm-hmm. give you that sensation of flying. But for me in my childhood, I think one that really stuck out to me was Pilot Wings. Mm, yeah. Um, and to think it was a launch title for the super nintendo like being able to create the sense of flying in that game with mode 7 and parallax scrolling and all that kind of crap it was interesting because it really felt like you were flying like that 3d effect even it's like a pixel 3d even though it's not really 3d in itself it feels like it and i was like oh my god like this rocket pack makes me feel like i'm flying in air like it was so mind-blowing to me as a kid even though now you know looking at now i'm like wow like it's whatever you know like i've seen more realistic but back then that was crazy Mm -hmm. yeah
0: like actually witnessing the magic trick firsthand is so cool right like you bring up the Mm -hmm. idea of parallax scrolling and things like that and it's just so crazy what they were able to do, like really pushing the engine as far as it could p- possibly go for that time frame, right? Mm-hmm. And and creating this illusion of flight when really it's just sprites stacked on top of each other, <laughs> which is really, really cool to think about. And I actually have, uh, I've written some curriculum for scratch coding to create parallax scrolling as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like when the kids see it, they love it because it's such a cool little trick. And whenever you break down the illusion and let them know what's really going on, it's really fun. And like you can really see it click with the kid's eyes and just like and it reminds me of whenever I first saw those effects. Right. Of Like it's so nice to be able to bring that back to them. That's why I love the job that I'm currently at <laughs> is being able <laughs> to give that to them again, like show them the magic tricks that really blew me away as a kid. And while it might seem really simple now, and of course they have games that have much better graphics, much better ways of doing these things, it's just so cool to show them like the humble beginnings of it, right? And yeah. the fact that they can accomplish it too with something as simple as Scratch. So it's really, really been a lot of fun. So That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. But. I think we should kind of fast forward a little bit now. We talked about some older games that really showcase flight in really interesting ways, how we use wind, things like that. But there's a modern game out right now that a lot of people are going to be, they'll they'll know this game. Everybody knows this game right now. Uh, But it uses wind in such a creative, beautiful, artistic way. And it has some great mechanical advantages behind it too. And that is Ghost of Tsushima. The, the way that Ghost of Tsushima uses wind, it uses it to help navigate you to the next point of interest, right? And it is so cleverly done, and it just reminds me of an Akira Kurosawa movie where you're seeing the fields like sway in the wind and all this stuff. Like it's just so beautiful to, to see it, and it's I like how unintrusive it is. It, it feels like it's part of the environment itself instead of having like. A compass with a you know a radar on it, or a giant arrow like in Crazy Taxi, telling you where to go, using the wind itself to help guide you in the right direction is so peaceful and just. It it really ties in the world and makes it feel more real in that sense, right? And we always there is that like is it hominin right or the that belief of like go with the wind, let the winds guide you, right? Yeah. And it just really showcases that a hundred percent in a beautiful, beautiful way.
1: I love the way the game utilized it. Like I remember playing through that and I thought it was so, I feel like, you know, there's innovations in games, right? Like think about when that whole waypoint thing kind of started, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, you think like Assassin's Creed or stuff like that, where it kind of like gives you a little line to follow and tells you where to go, but it looks so obtrusive and doesn't look real. And then it, it like in Skyrim, into this. right?
0: Like Skyrim is such a fantasy based thing, and but you have that compass HUD above your head, yeah. Where, like, in my opinion, that breaks the illusion. Sure, it's in like a text that kind of matches the overall theme of the game, still. It, it it's it's. You know, it's an overlay no matter what.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because for a long time, I was a person that didn't like to play HUDless. Like, I liked having my HUD because the simplicity. But as I get older, I'm like, dude, it's kind of fun playing without the HUD. Mm -hmm. And with Ghost, having a word, the waypoint is now just wind. It was so cool. Like, it'd be awesome if more games did something like this. Like, wind is probably the easiest way to guide somebody, you know? Like, you're not going to be able to do it with fire. You're not going to be able to really do it with, like, water, unless it's a a water-based game. But the way the wind went so well with everything else in that game, it's crazy. You know, you would sit in, like, the bushes, and you would see the wind just blow down on you, and it's... I think that game changed a lot on the viewpoints of how I look at wind you know like I always kind of took it for granted and now when I play games I always look at the wind mechanics right like is my are my clothing like blowing the right direction of what the wind is mm-hmm. supposed to be and then that game it always did and I'm like it just felt real and that's something that I've kind of looked at for a long time you know you think back to the PlayStation 1 era, PlayStation 2, right? Like, let's go PS2, Final Fantasy X. I remember being blown away, this is going to sound stupid, (laughs) of like the way the hair blows in the wind. Oh, yeah. And it's... It's crazy that for a long time I feel like no one really focused on the realism of that. And I feel like now we're just starting to see it, but even then, it's not there, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm also thinking, oh, I'm also thinking, like also with Elden Ring too and Breath of the Wild about the, like the the turret or the well in Elden Ring, it's the the torrents that shoot you up in the air while you're riding on your horse, mm, right? You know, yeah. the updrafts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it, like, updrafts are such a crazy mechanic that is, it's used in a lot of games, right? Like, we see them a lot in, in a lot of basic games too. Like, even with like Banjo-Kazooie, when you're flying around, you can pop some feathers and get a little bit of an updraft kicked, right? Mm-hmm. But I think with some of the more modern games, actually utilizing things like fire, which is really cleverly done um, because fire does create an updraft. It creates a little mini tornado. Obviously, they're exaggerated like crazy in video games because it's not going to like blow you away, right? Yeah. But I-, I remember the first time I did it in Breath of the Wild, for instance, right? Where you have fire, you see the wind go up, and you pop your glider above it. And you just get shot up in the air like that was so cool. And it just really reminded me of how Nintendo games are actually made. Where, you know, the most of the games, what they'll do is, especially with Mario games, they every time there's a new Mario, they implant the character into just a basic white room. No, no levels, no nothing, just kind of basic stuff that you can just jump around and play in. And you can totally feel that with Breath of the Wild, that they just created a playground. For you to just explore things for a while and then they expanded the world from that and you can feel that a lot with these updrafts being able to reach areas that you didn't think were possible or just the basic physics stuff or even using the wind itself to help spread the flame to get to areas too right like that oh, was yeah. a really clever mechanic there and like that i remember the first time i saw that in a tech demo for breath of the wild i was absolutely blown away where like there's a campfire, he used the wind, Augusta wind, to blow it into the actual enemy encampment and just destroyed all the buildings there. Like that was so cleverly done and so interesting and just such a beautiful moment there of simplicity, right? It, just letting nature take its course and not fighting nature but going with it, right? And it mm-hmm. was it was so so amazing to see that. I love I felt that.
1: Like, stuff. I feel like we kind of like a lot of people kind of didn't notice that. You know, like, a lot of these, like, minor, like, intricacies, Mm -hmm. like, no one, like, sits there and thinks, man, that's a really innovative, like, realistic approach to something, you know, like, it sucks that no one picks up on those kind of things. So, it is really, really cool that you can do that.
0: Yeah. And, well, that's the beauty of good design, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that's, I, I can't. Um, there's a book about that too I can't remember exactly what it's called right now but in the book they go over the fact that good design is invisible right whenever mm. you walk up to a door and you just instantly know how to open said door without having to think about it that is good design if you walk up to a door and you push it but it's actually a pull but it doesn't have like the right you know like handle on it to make sense of that then you get really confused right Or if it has a pull handle, but it's push, right? Like, it just doesn't make sense. So it's it's that, like, good design is invisible, which I absolutely 100% agree to that. And this is an example of that with, or both of these, with Ghost of Tsushima and Breath of the Wild, with the updrafts and fire. Like, those are invisible designs that can fade to the background, but are just so clever because they're able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's gorgeous stuff. Love it, love it. Okay. So I think we should start touching on some games themselves that use wind in interesting ways. And the first game I want to go over is actually one that was canceled, unfortunately. Um, But it is 20,000 Leagues Above the Clouds. Now, some people might not know about this game, but this game, you're basically a Sky Pirate, right? Or originally, the original intent was you were a Sky Pirate, and there's a you know, a force that's able to, from the land, uh, reach up into the clouds and grab the floating islands and drag them down, right? Like, it's kind of what a lot of the sense does Unfortunately, the game never actually came out, but the visuals that came out from it were just so stunning and gorgeous. And it really, like, from the the gameplay footage that we have available to us, it's a real shame that this game never got released because it felt like this was going to be a true to life like be a sky pirate right and it's i don't know man like i i
1: love the visuals of this game i thought it was like i remember i totally forgot this game existed i remember being interested in when i first heard about it and then i never knew it was canceled i just thought it was one of those games that came out and i never heard about it Mm, yeah and bringing this up i'm like oh man like I love the idea of Sky Pirates because we've only ever seen it in one other game. You know? And to see it in a much higher fidelity than like Skies of Arcadia, it's it's cool. You know? Like it I'm a sucker for worlds that are like, you know, islands floating in the air and you have to take an airship to get to it, like I remember, like, Final Fantasy IX, just the airships. So I was like, mm-hmm. this is so cool. Like, I want more games like that. And Like, like this,
0: Hilda's Flying Castle? So rad.
1: Like, yeah. And someone's just like, there's got to be more games out there that do that. And, I mean, this game looks, like, exactly kind of what I would want. And it's a bummer. Like, you would think, like, I don't know. I guess you can't go back and save things, but. I
0: feel like we're going to get
1: something very similar to it, right? Like, there's going to yeah. be
0: one person who worked on the team to go with another group and, like, uh, try to make it actually happen this time.
1: I saw a game recently being kind of, like, they're, like, I follow a lot of people on Twitter and stuff that are, like, game developers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are, like, really small ones. But I saw someone trying to create something like this, but it it's, like, nowhere near completion. Like, I can't think of a name. but. Mm. At least I see someone out there trying to attempt it, but you have to think making something like this, it's, it's not an easy task, you no. know? Yeah. Cause
0: with most like open world games, you're working on one plane, right? You just build out a land, mm-hmm. but with this, we have to think about all directions, right? You have to start putting islands in areas that people wouldn't normally venture off to. And how do you simplify that enough to make it easy to travel between areas but don't break the illusion of it being on a single plane, right? So like, that's where the magic happens of what it looked like this game was able to accomplish. Unfortunately, we're not going to see it. At least not the original intent of it.
1: Right. Yeah. Something that this game reminds me of, though. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever heard this. It came out recently. And it kind of gives me the, oh, I guess it gives me the same vibes because it's Cities in the Sky, but uh, Airborne Kingdom.
0: Mm, I haven't heard of that one.
1: So I was fascinated by this because basically it's a city builder, but you're on an airship, right? Oh, so cool. you're building a flying city and you can't, you know, physics exists, right? So say on your wings, you're building all your city on the right side. It's gonna start tipping, yeah. So you have to kind of balance it like a seesaw. You have to like keep the like build more propellers. Like it's interesting because it, it's pretty much realistic. You know, you can't just have a huge floating city without all the power to keep it up there. And this this has been a game I played a little bit. I I'd started it and then I stopped, but I love the idea of just floating cities and you know creating a city in this it makes me want to create my own you know like i know we always talk about making a game and i'm like damn i want to why don't i make this sky pirate game why don't i make this floating city game like right it'd be so cool but yeah i don't know for some reason that game made me think about that one because i'm like oh it's cool how they do the physics with that as well
0: Mm mm-hmm well, sky pirates isn't really a new theme, right? It's something that right. we've seen in a lot of games. For instance, the most recent game I played that had it was Final Fantasy XII, where mm-hmm. Van's whole dream was to become a sky pirate, right? He was—he's an orphan, right? His brothers died; he's alone, and he feels like he's stuck in the city. So, what better way to escape than to go to the skies? Right. It's a natural idea of where like why human beings want to fly is to escape this, like the area that they are in in, or the circumstances that they find themselves in. And I feel like Final Fantasy XII did that so well because guess what? Van goes on this crazy epic adventure around the world and eventually saves the world. Right. Like it's, it's a really cool way of doing it. And Final Fantasy games are just so clever in the way that they designed their airships uh, for their use of Sky Pirates. Like, I feel like JRPGs in general just, Mm -hmm. like, really take the idea of Sky Pirates and run with it, and airships and things like that. And it's just so cool to see, like... For instance, uh, Nino Kuni as well, right? Like you have your Sky Pirates, and they have a f- giant flying uh, contraption that no one really knows how it works, right? Like it's a big mystery to them still, but it's really, really cool to see. And then eventually, you get to fly around Dragon, super fun, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> which I'm really enjoying right now. Actually, I'm playing that right now. Maybe we'll do an episode on revisiting old games or something. But yeah, it's I love the way JRPGs handle that. And you've mentioned the game, uh, but I think Skies of Arcadia is a great game that really showcases the flight and the, the ability to, you know, explore the world itself as far as like it being floating cities and uh, Sky Pirate themes and stuff like that. But it I mean, there is some flack for Skies of Arcadia and it was um Sega's one of Sega's like swan song games. Right? It did originally come out on the Dreamcast. Uh, the GameCube release ended up picking up a lot more traction, uh, which kind of makes sense. It's Nintendo, right? They've, yeah. They're able to pump in a little bit more money behind it. But what I find really funny about Skies of Arcadia is how much it takes from Final Fantasy VII. Hmm. Like, it really... Like, if you follow the story, like it's, it's interesting, right? So, it... Takes a lot of scenes from Final Fantasy Seven and runs with it, but the one thing that it does different that I guess could like separate them the two is mm-hmm. instead of having a moody setting, it has a very upbeat setting. Where even the main character himself, like it, what JRPG have you played where the main character has both their parents and they're supporting of his decisions to be a sky pirate? Right, like <laughs> like that doesn't really happen in RPGs most of the time. You have a very broody uh, like melancholy mute main character and this time you have a very upbeat main character and upbeat story but it has a lot of beats that are very similar to the final fantasies which is really interesting
1: i never really thought about those two together that's actually kind of cool i mean it makes sense because most RPGs try to follow that well, of one of the characters, too,
0: mechan- is an old man with a mechanical arm, right? Like, mm-hmm. And he's, like, a big, burly dude, too. So it's kind of funny, right? It's like, okay, that's Barrett, <laughs> obviously. Like, okay, I get it, <laughs> right? <Yeah>. Like, it's, <laughs> but it's just funny that, like, because it's Sega, mm-hmm. and Sega, I would say, has more of lightheartedness behind their games mm-hmm. um, that it takes that formula and then interjects, um, like, L- like hardness, I guess, if for lack of better words there,
1: yeah, yeah, I could see it uh that, so I remember playing it on the Dreamcast, uh and then I stopped, and then I got it for the gamecube, which I still have to this day, mm. and I pretty much got to the same point and then stopped, but <laughs> the gamecube version's cool because it adds a bunch of stuff, it adds like a whole new like. Wanted system, so you can like do bounty hunts, mm. and the music they changed, which sucks. But anyway, that that game was so cool. Like I remember when it came out for the Dreamcast. Even though I was kind of young, you know, early two thousands, I was, you know, twelve, something around that age, and I was like, "This is so cool!" You know, like I loved RPGs at the time. And it was so different. Like you said, it was so bright and cheery. And like, you never really saw that in an RPG that often. And it, it, because of that, it, it felt so different. And I think that's why it's kind of like a cult classic now, because it stands out, right? No one's really done anything like it with the whole flying around because it was cool you know you once you get the opportunity to actually like fly around the world's kind of big and there's a lot going on and then there's you know flight battles and stuff like that and it sucks that it hasn't been re-released surprisingly right but since sega is so happy about putting all their stuff on you know modern stuff i mean just look at the new sonic origins it's like Dude, just just give us some of your other good games. You know, we don't need Sonic for the tenth million time. Right, but I I would put it up there as like one of my favorites. Right, like I I mean I have a huge list of favorite RPGs, but like if you have the opportunity to play play them on one of those, preferably the GameCube, like try it out. It, it it's cool. It's different than RPGs we get nowadays. I mean. For me, most modern RPGs are kind of unimaginative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you play something like that and it's like, yeah, the main story is kind of your typical RPG, but the setting, the characters, like when you look at the time that it was made, it stood out. right? And I think to this day, it still does. And I don't know, that, that's when I was talking earlier about the Airborne Kingdom and stuff, like, Skies of Arcadia makes me want more settings like that. Mm -hmm. Floating cities, floating islands, you know, before Skies of Arcadia, the last one I thought about was uh, Grand Stream Saga, which kind of was the same. It was floating islands in the sky, you know, their crystal gets taken and they go crashing into, like, the ocean that's underneath them. And I was like, that's a cool idea shitty game but cool idea man and it's it's interesting that that idea doesn't get explored more i know um there's a couple indie games that like you kind of like fly around like more like adventure exploration kind of games like air and stuff where you mm-hmm. become like a bird and fly to different islands which is cool but i want that like deep story and you bring up final fantasy 12 actually like i forgot about that that there was like floating parts and i'm like i just want to like play all these games that have like floating areas i don't know yeah it's my favorite aspect in games it it
0: just adds to the whimsy of it right Adds like that fantasy element that a lot of these games are missing which is really cleverly done castle
1: in the sky man yeah gotta love it right
0: oh god i love castle in the sky <laughs> yeah. Such a great thing actually i mean we can do some quick uh shout outs to uh, games aren't the only things that obviously pique our interest and there are some animes and things like that that use wind in such clever and beautiful ways like castle in the sky that movie is gorgeous and it's all about exploration and finding yourself right and it's but the way that they present it is just so well done. I mean, gotta love Ghibli movies. It's just mm-hmm. ah, so gorgeous. But actually, uh, real quick, I might as well throw this in there. Uh, there's another animated movie that I absolutely love. It was X. Um, X is basically mm-hmm. um, it, like it's the gods or the dragons of heaven ver- versus the dragons of earth, right? And each dragon is a person and each person has a different ability. Well, there's a throwaway character in the movie that kind of gets owned pretty quickly, but I still remember this scene to this day because it was such a clever way of using air as a weapon. Right. Like, mm. um, and it was this guy just kind of pops up on a roof. He jumps up there and then he creates a mini tornado in his hand. And then he's able to slice the tornado into like kind of like buzzsaw blades. Mm. And throw the tornado that way, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like the kid me was like, "Oh my god, it's so cool." <laughs> that is badass. Yeah, it was such a crazy scene, but of course, the main character Camway uh, just obliterates him like instantly. But you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very cool movie if you guys haven't seen it. If you're into animes and stuff like that, it's a classic.
1: I've I've heard of it, but I haven't checked it out. But I might. I, I keep seeing it pop up.
0: Yeah, there's some um, really clever stuff in it.
1: One last game I will talk about, though, that I just remembered. Um, I didn't really like this game that much, but it had a very, very cool setting, was Bioshock Infinite, mm. um, with its floating version of the city of Columbia. I thought it was fascinating how different floating segments were tied together with, like, a railing. It was uh, It was really different. You know, it was different for the time, and it was just... I don't know. It was beautiful, really. Yeah. It
0: was a really cool game. I mean, there's a lot of, it's a problematic game, right? There's a lot of issues yeah. behind it. <laughs> it's very, very a lot of a lot of issues. But the way the setting itself was so cool. And to go from, you know, the other Bioshocks that were underwater to now go and venture into the airs, it was a really nice transition and change. Um that mm-hmm. kind of helped keep the the series itself fresh. Uh, I yep. wish that they didn't do a lot of the you know racist things and stuff like that. But, yeah, you know that's that's an issue that should have been handled in the writing room. <laughs> but you know, it's such a great uh, the scenery of it was just fantastic. It was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Um, one game that I do you want to touch on as well is Owl Boy. Oh, yeah. Owl Boy is a gorgeous little indie game, pixel graphics, beautiful, beautiful setting itself. Uh You play as a mute character, of course, you know, as all classic games are. Your main <laughs> character is mute. Um, but it's everyone's kind of themed as owls, which is really neat. Uh, in my opinion, and you're able to kind of fly around. It's a story based adventure platformer game. The long, long explanation <laughs> of that, right? And I feel it's so funny to hear like what genres are nowadays, right? We mix so much shit together just to make, <laughs> make <laughs> the game make sense and to fit into this little pocket, but whatever. Uh, but one of the big aspects of Owlboy that I really liked, uh, that really showcases wind, I think, is, uh, in the game, uh you are actually attacked by sky pirates as well, of course, you're in the sky, so why not sky pirates? Yeah, um, but one of the elders uh tells you to turn off the owl shrine, so like you're you're instructed mm. to do this, and in doing so, it actually turns off the magic that is keeping the islands separate from each other. And it is to bring the islands together quickly to crush the sky pirates, which I thought was a really interesting idea, right? Like they're using some sort of air elemental magic to keep this the islands up, like in the clouds and separate from each other so they're not destroying any, each other. But, like, as a safety mechanism, they can turn that off and quickly, like, bring the islands together to smash whatever was in the middle or what's in their way, right? And I thought that was a pretty clever aspect behind it. Uh, The game itself goes into some really trippy things about, like, uh, it. it, actually, one of the main themes of it or one of the main story beats is that uh, one of the characters studies mathematics and says that he can predict like the lifespan or no he can predict where a rock in the sky is going to be at any given moment using mathematics and through his studies he was able to even predict his own death and then not just that but the death of every person in the world he can bring it back down to numbers right in mathematics and I was like oh that's actually a really interesting story beat and I do want to explore this title more after reading about that because I thought that was really cool and apparently, there's some like they call it the loop, right? And it's uh, there's some like weird mechanics behind that. But I guess in end game, after you beat the game, when you jump back in, you start the level right where your last save point was, right before the final uh, scene. And you, there's a new object that you can interact with, it's like a star that you can touch. And then it asks you, uh do you want to stay and do you want to stay here, or do you want to basically go back in time right and it's like really playing on that idea of a loop that is happening, so I'm actually like on the surface, owlboy just looks like a gorgeous little cute game that you're flying around and you know exploring this air city, but it apparently it has a lot of really interesting stuff in the background that I just wasn't aware of.
1: that's super cool. I didn't realize it was that deep like i i've always wanted to play this game and i i have it i just the graphics i'm like dude it looks so beautiful like the art is amazing and i didn't realize like like you said that story i'm like that actually sounds really good i thought it was just gonna be like a very basic platformer like nothing really special about it but damn that sounds
0: amazing yeah i know i i didn't know it was that deep right and i think it's so funny to think about that too because it's it's a pixel game, right? And instantly when we see pixel games, we think not really elaborate stories, right? It's It's mm-hmm. a bad, I guess, like thought process for us to have, but it is something that we carry with us. With simple graphics comes simple mechanics, simple gameplay, simple stories. At least that's what our minds think. And a lot of these indie developers are really showing us that, you know, these simplistic looking games can be so much more complex than they really are. Which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. So, the last game that I <coughs> that I have on my list is a game that shows the devastation of the wind, or what happens when the wind goes away, and mm-hmm. that is a game that's called The Stillness of the Wind. Um, so, with The Stillness of the Wind, it's a gorgeous, uh, like poly game. Um, kind of reminds me of Journey to a certain extent as far as the graphics go, uh, but you're on a a very like run down, impoverished area, like you're in a very small house that looks like you kind of built it yourself. And you're just trying to survive and thrive in this environment that isn't really growing anything. You're in like a barren wasteland, right? And it seems like the wind has stopped. And without wind, we it's really hard to grow crops and survive. So I feel like that's kind of the the like the theme that they're playing on here, which is really interesting. It's just a gorgeous looking game.
1: It's a sad game. Yeah. Yeah. I I was always interested in this game because it's just, it, it's pretty. And it's interesting that, I, I mean, it's in the title, but I didn't think like, you know, like I was wondering, like, I thought, oh, it's just a little like kind of sad farming game. You know, I didn't I didn't realize, you know, it it's like a the world's been ravaged and stuff. I was like, oh, like this makes it even more sad. Like this is like it it's a heartfelt game. I guess you could call it that. But it's just it's like one of those games you gotta experience. Mm-hmm. You know? You gotta see it to really like believe it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's great. And some of this, like the setting beats too, just really like the environmental storytelling in this is just so fantastic where like, you know, propped up against a house, you'll see like a little shotgun for protection, you know, and like you're just playing this, this like, unassuming farmer that's there just trying to live in like, every night goes to sleep on their patchwork blanket that you can tell that they've fix multiple times and in the farm itself like you see power lines that go nowhere right like Mm -hmm. it's just it's interesting to and like your only interaction with the outside world is a traveling merchant that stops by every once in a while to help sell you things that you can survive off of so it's just really really crazy i i I love this this story beat and this just the idea behind it it's gorgeous
1: it's different, it makes it more realistic, you know, like think about the world has changed and you're on your own like it it really does feel like what would what would you do if you had a little farm you know in the middle of nowhere like it's it's real, mm-hmm. even though it's it looks very like i don't want to say cartoonish the way it looks, but it doesn't it it feels like this is what would really happen and what you would really do, and right. the the consequences or the the devastation of the world like how you would react to it Mm -hmm. it's fascinating yeah well i think that's going to do it for us this week
0: and our little interpretation of the element of wind in video games and there are a lot of games out there that use wind in very interesting ways these are just some of them that we felt showcased them um in very thematic, gorgeous ways that we wanted to discuss. And if there's any games out there that you guys really should love how they showcase wind, let us know. And we have one more element to touch on in this little mini-series. A little hint for you guys if you haven't been paying attention. The last one's going to be Fire. (laughs) And it is going to be crazy one as well but we hope you really enjoyed this little conversation that we've had discussing wind in games and we will talk to you all next week Uh, bye for now